50 years ago, people gathered in a small park in Carbondale, Colorado to celebrate art, music, and community. That gathering became the Carbondale Mountain Fair. Hear the voices, stories, and sounds as we take you on a journey of 50 years of the fair. Hotunkashila Adewa Kantanka. Ampetuklenawashtewiyakupiyukawopilatanka. On our grandfather, great spirit, we give you thanks for this beautiful day. We give you thanks for the breath of life, the water of life, and the earth that we live on. We ask that you hear our prayers and bestow your blessings upon us. We ask that you look down upon us and have pity on us. Help us to learn as we go through life. Help us to understand the beauty, the sacredness, of our spirit and Mother Earth. Grandfather, Great Spirit, without you we are lost. Without you we are nothing. So at this time we ask that you hear our prayers. Help us to be humble, to be respectful, to be truthful and honest. Grandfather, it is a grateful day to be who we are. Thank you. How Thank you. Community games gave the early mountain fairs that small town feeling. But sadly, they have not survived to the present day. Here are Barb Bush, Tom Folker, Brenda Buchanan, Stacy Dickerson, Lori Loeb, and Wick Moses describing the good, clean fun. And then uh, the other thing I remember there was, and I don't know what year it started, there was a, uh, a uh, tug of war. And I believe that was organized by AT&T, AT&C. And... You didn't even dare enter that thing unless you wanted to be drug across the lawn because AT&C had a contingent there that could just drag every team we could come up with. Rick and I would try to get groups together to come up against them and everything, and it was it was always just a futile attempt, but it was a lot of fun. So over there where a lot of the art booths are, art booths are now, um, we just sort of kept a big area for games, and one of them was a somebody made a big mud pit. I forget how that all came about. I know Bill was involved. My husband was involved with it. Um, they made a big mud pit. So then there was this huge, huge cable rope, you know, or huge rope, um, probably, you know, like a re- really large rope, um, not, you know, maybe about like an inch or two in diameter or more, and just everybody took a side. And... There was this mud pit in the middle of it, and you know, I, I and and you know, and it, it happened several times during the fair. I mean, there'd be the north side of town versus the south side of town. There'd be, you know, the hippies. I mean, I don't know, hippies versus the cowboys. I, I don't remember all the different ways we did it, but you know, there was a rope and there was a tug of war. Just the way there's there's the limbo competition now. We did that for you know, and I recall that going on for a few years. Oh, we used to have wheelbarrow, wheelbarrow races. There's great pictures of Chris Chacos, you know, in a wheelbarrow, you know, being run around the park. I don't know. And that, all the great people and all the all the great things that people thought of to do to have fun. <laughs> and then I do remember there were wheelbarrow races. 
And uh, Rick and Terry Patton, I think, were always contenders in that thing because they were just bundles of muscle that could run 100 miles an hour, and it, it was hilarious. And, and let's see, what I, oh, we used to have a grease pole climb. I bet people remember that. And we did away with that because it was, uh, well, there were a lot of accidents, let's just say that. I love the events, the, the competitions. I used to love, um, back in the day, Chris Chacos would donate dozens and dozens of eggs, and there would be a, an egg toss in the middle of the, the um, where, where all the events are, the wood splitting and fly fishing and all that stuff. There would be an egg toss, and that was always really, really funny and really, really fun. And uh, um, I don't know, and some of the the tug of war over the ditch and the things like that that were just just good, clean fun. You know, we also started with events too and contests, like a classic country fair. It was kind of you know sprung up with wood splitting, uh, wheelbarrow races, um, you know, boost toolbox limbo contest, and it was you know it really it kind of really began to take on the flavor. Uh, what it is today. How low can you go? Three generations of Mountain Fair fans know it can really go low. I got the name Doc Limbo because there was supposed to be a bunch of Doc Limbos at the uh, medicine show and um, somebody, a bunch of them drank the wrong tea and didn't show up. So I wound up having to be Doc Limbo all weekend, and then my buddy Luby made it stick. Really, he's yep. the one who spread it around year after year. That's what and he calls me. And now you're just called Limbo. Now I'm just Limbo. They call me that up on the ski hill. They call me that all over. Yep. You know, so I'm I'm Limbo. The Limbo contest. We know when it started. It was the 10th annual Mountain Fair, and. The way we know is that the elixir bottle from Dr. Limbo's Magic Elixir of Life medicine show was when we started the Limbo contest as well. And um, so if we didn't have it documented in writing on the bottle, it'd be a little fuzzy, I think, and nobody would really know for sure how long it's been going on. But we think it's, we know it's been going on since then. Um, it started years ago um, at a party up at Three Mile, Brenda in my house, and uh, we were uh, sitting around and nothing to do, having fun at night, doing whatever, and we pulled out a broom and started limboing. And then uh, I thought about doing a limbo contest at the fair, and then off of that, Brenda spun off the Magic Elixir of Life medicine show. So, and then the rest is history. That was it. So we started. Started out, I used to bring a, drag my stereo out there. Yeah. And I had a, ta a you know, a reggae and uh, Harry Belafonte tape I yeah. played all the time. Yeah. And then at one point, somebody said, hey, let's get these drummers <laughs> to oh, come out. Because it was, it was probably me, or, or one of the guys that was helping me carry the speakers and the stereo and setting up the chords. And Because yep. it was a pain in the neck. It was a lot of work. And then yeah. when we got the drummers, they came to my rescue and made it probably one of the easiest jobs at the fair. Some of the same guys have been helping forever. Folkrod and Luby. Um, let's see. Um, Billy. Who else helps? I used to help all the time. Um, 
I don't know. I think those are the people that have stuck it out. And then there's kind of, it's, it takes about six or seven people to do it. And um, we got, uh, we've had a lot of really great competitions over the years. Mm -hmm. The early one, one of the earliest ones was uh, Corky and um, uh, John Ackerman, two big guys uh, okay. that were really good at it. And they dominated for years. Then it was kind of, you know, back and forth, different people. Olivia Fulcrad. Yeah, Olivia was good. I don't know if she was, a, I, she might have won it once. One, you know, I don't think she was a, mm -hmm. she wasn't a dominant one. And then Tessa, yeah. uh, Justman came on. She won 11 years in a row. Tessa, okay. Set a record of like one foot four. It's either one foot four, I'm sure it's one foot four inches she wow. did. And like, you know, most of the times around two feet wins it. So that was pretty impressive. She was the limbo queen. Um, then we had a kid named Adam, local Carbondale boy who dominated for a few years. And uh, the women have taken over lately. It's the top of the food chain experience. <laughs> Absolutely. Best this, of show. Best of show, we should okay, say. This one here, what is it? Blueberry white chocolate. I'd like to say it as blueberry white chocolate. This is our best of show. My goodness, that is, did you try it, Maya? I did. What do you think? That is so amazing. I love the. You know, you think with the, the white chocolate it would be too sweet, but it's really not too sweet, is it? No, I really it's like it. Nice. It's got a great like flavor. I'm going to try this one. What's this peach thing I'm eating? This one is Grandma Richards. Oh. Grandma I'm so glad you brought this over because this is, just looked like the classic peach pie. And we judge, we judge by texture, appearance. Integrity. Integrity, like jiggle. What about, oh, torsional rigidity is what we call yes, that in the cake contest. Yeah. Botox in these. What? There could be. All right, what is this other one? This one is orange cream. Oh, yes. This I was saw that. best of cream pie. Do you taste the orange? Do you taste it? I do taste the just orange. Isn't that faint. nice? Just a faint little orange taste. I think I'm going to faint. So delicious. Yeah. Don't forget to eat the crust because the crust is a very, very big part of pie judging for us. I think like I'm stuck on the grandma's peach. We get a lot of different kinds of crust, I'd say. We have our everything from Oreo to cinnamon to pecan, pecan almond. almond to pistachio to I mean Just it's rough it's rough to judge. So have you been involved with the pie contest in the past? Five years. Five years running now? Yep. How does this one stack up? This mm. one is probably my favorite. The <laughs> Blueberry white. She says, why, as she's why stuffing in the blueberry yeah. white. Well, there's several categories I should tell you first. A pie is not just a pie anymore. There are cream pies. There are simple fruit pies. There are mixed fruit pies. And then there are exotic pies. And they all have a category. They all have a, a number of pies. And they all are judged by different groups of judges who... Um, you know, kind of confine themselves to one kind of pie or the other, or it would just get way too overwhelming. So where will we start off? How about the uh, cream pie? Kind of interesting in the cream pie because because there was one ingredient that really just made the list this time, and that was coconuts. The third place winner was the fresh pineapple coconut cream pie by none other than Judy Harvey, the winningest baker in the Roaring Fork Valley here at Mountain Fair over many years. Fresh pineapple coconut cream. 
second place was the coconut cream pie by Terry Rogers. And in first place in the cream pie category was the coconut pineapple cream pie by Carolyn Fisher. So we actually had two coconut pineapple creams and a coconut cream to just uh, clear out that category. In the simple fruit pies, third place was a Carbondale cherry pie, which was made from uh, local cherries picked in the Blue Lake area by Chris Trzinski. In second place in the simple fruit pie category, the sinful pear with phyllo crust by Rachel Richard. In first place in the simple fruit category, falling leaves apple pie by Denise Gianetti. In the mixed fruit pie category, third place was a peonia peach and local gooseberry pie, and that was made by Maeve Malif, and uh, I tasted a little bit of that pie. I have it on my plate here in front of me. We, we agreed, Lady Persimmon and I, that this pie has a most excellent crust, and you know crust is at least half of what a pie is all about. It's it maybe the harder part to get right. In second place in the mixed fruit category, Granny's Caramel Apple Pie by Ginger Charon. And the first place winner in the mixed fruit category, Fresh Peach Wild Blueberry Pie, once again by Judy Harvey. Finally, in the exotic category, in third place, we had the Salted Caramel Chocolate Pie, once again by Judy Harvey. And uh, she's, taken, she's taken three wins in today's competition. And there's rumors Judy Harvey might retire, so that would really change the whole, the whole lineup around here. In second place in the exotic pie category, get this. This, is a, this was a savory pie. This was not a sweet pie. This was a pie that you could have for a meal. It was Swiss chard, roasted tomato, goat cheese, and bacon pie by Carolyn Fisher. Wow. And first place in the exotic pie category, we had chocolate peanut butter pie by Billy Sue Hayes. And it was that chocolate peanut butter pie that took the uh, best of fair prize. So that was the overall number one winner was the chocolate peanut butter pie. If you are a pie judge at the Carbondale Mountain Fair, you don't have to shut your pie hole. In fact, you have to open it repeatedly and shovel in the most scrumptious homemade delights you can imagine. And not only that, you get to cleanse your palate with sips of champagne. It all makes for a tipsy morning and a king hell sugar buzz. The pie contest and its poorer cousin, the cake contest, have a long and noble Mountain Fair history. Here to tell it are Judy Harvey, the winningest pie contestant in Mountain Fair history, and Rib Katz, for many years, the two preeminent contestants. Standing next to me um, here at the soundboard at Mountain Fair, this is the winningest woman in the valley when it comes to cakes and pies. She's, she's a crossover artist, for sure. And she's been baking pies and cakes for Mountain Fair for 30 years now. And I think she's been winning this contest for 30 years, too. So I'd like to welcome um, Judy Harvey. Hi, thank you very much for having me. That was the really nice thing about it. Judy is a spectacular human being. Um, she and I are both nurses, and um, we just became instant friends. And so, yeah, while there was competition, it was more us competing against ourselves. I would say that with complete um, assurance that she would feel the same way. 
it it was um, just really fun. Every single year we would um, get together. We would make sure that we weren't making something that was um, the same recipe competing with each other. Um, we tried to vary it up a little bit. And we actually had a pretty even streak of um, this year she would win this this category and the next year I would win it or she would win first and I'd win second or vice versa. So it was really a fun um, competition, non-competition thing between us. And mostly we just tried to help each other out. We would, um, she would do tastings ahead of time with uh, some of her recipes and, and we'd give her feedback and I never made anything before I actually entered it. So it was just kind of luck of the draw for me. I entered a French chocolate silk pie, not knowing how fancy everybody got with their entries. And I remember, um, gosh, Carol Gianetti and all these um, women from way back then who were who were running the town. Um, had all these beautiful entries, I mean, with bird cages on top and just so fancy and beautiful. And there was my pie, which was quite delicious, but it um, just had the whipped cream slathered on top, and it looked really sad. And I remember entering it, and I got there late, and they put it in the cream pie category, and there were two judges that I knew um, Joanne Rickey, who was the head of the CCAH at the time, and Elva McDowell, who is one of the, I think, original members of Sirens of Swing. And they were sitting there, and they were on pie number 10. My pie was number 23. And I heard Joanne say to Elva, if I have to taste one more pie, I'm going to puke. And I thought there is no way my pie, as ugly as it is and as far out as it is, is going to do anything. And sure enough, it didn't. Um, but that got me going. And Judy showed me, Judy Harvey showed me some simple decorating tips. And the next year I entered in one. And from then on, I just made that my project. So every year at the fair, I would enter pies. Rib Katz, the non-competitive competitor, describing her early pie efforts. The three Hendrix sisters, Hillary, Heidi, and Harmony, not only grew up with the Mountain Fair as children, they became movers and shakers in the pie subculture in the 90s. Here, Hillary and Heidi remember those days. And I feel like it was when we came back in our 20s, early 20s, is when we started getting heavily involved in the pie, which our parents were always involved in. Um, yeah, and that was Marty Bauer was, she had a long-term yeah. out plan that included us and she recruited us and Mitzi Hunter and Pam Zentmeyer kind of all at the same time. Yeah. And we were like just the, the gophers, <laughs> bottom of the barrel helpers for a while and then increased our role. Those were fun years though. I liked being yeah. bottom of the barrel helpers. Me too. <laughs> Oh, I mean, that's a good place to be, really. You can wander off and no one can say anything because what are they going to say? Well, you have to be serious. And that is one thing about the new. Sometimes we get a newbie in there and they think it's all fun, but it's a serious deal. These 
people, these bakers take it very seriously and, and they should, and the, the judges should also. So you definitely have to want and enjoy pie, which sometimes people forget because they think it's a big party, but it is about the pie. Um, so that makes a good judge. What else? I, and I think just having been the person in charge of tallying their results and that kind of thing on that end, um, I think another good aspect of a judge is just consistency across all the pies. You see judges sheets that start out a certain way and then as they get further into the pies and further into the champagne their their scores change so i think the the good judges are the ones whose scores are consistent from start to finish. before the judging starts you know we're mingling and they're drinking and and then everybody sits down we do pie in the sky where we talk about those that we miss and the judges and then um you know, there's announcements. And I think it was there that Harmony announced that things were gonna mix up and we were gonna try to get some new blood. And um, what was the, it seemed like there was a couple I feel strong. Yeah, I think that our original plan was to try to rotate like a third at a time. So like, Every what we were going to try to get everybody on this two years on one year off schedule so that a third of the judges were always fresh. Um, and <laughs> that went over like a lead balloon. I know. Yeah, that, I don't. I know a lot of judges were super upset with that. So now we sort of have the like two or three free chairs that we try to fill every year. Um, and those are actually now just kind of naturally happening as less and less people are interested in it. And my father used to tell a story about how the most awful job at Mountain Fair is judging the pie because it's first thing in the morning and you load your belly full of sugar and champagne and it wrecks your day for the whole rest of the day and into Sunday. And you can't believe anybody's willing to judge the pie. But um, so we have judges that are kind of sick of doing it. And so there's always a couple of free chairs now. It, it's a, a very hallowed position that um, for most years was only available um, upon the death of a previous judge. And uh, now there's a rotating guest judge at each table, which I think is great, so it doesn't so it's not quite as exclusive. What it means to be a pie judge, well, um, we are very discerning in our judging. We have strict categories. Um, we're, many of us are very experienced in it. And, and it really encourages people to uh, enter the competition. And uh, it's very fun. And what it means, I mean, I, I don't ever want to give it up. I, I got my seat um from becky young because she couldn't handle eating that much sweet stuff but i can <laughs> Lori loeb describing life as a pie judge at the carbondale mountain fair the porcupine loop bike race is more of a casual ride than a serious race it starts and ends at sopras park and takes riders up onto local single track trails here, Katie and Kay's Jen Razor speaks with an organizer of the race. 
We have Darren from Aloha Mountain Cyclery here. Thank you, Darren. Right on. Thank you very much, Jen. Yeah. I think another awesome thing that's happening is the uh, Porcupine Loop bike race tomorrow morning. Absolutely. If you want to get a good way to start off your uh, Mountain Fair Sunday, kind of maybe dust out the cobwebs a little bit and make yourself feel better, come on out um, to the Bike Valet Tent behind the Forest Service. From 7 to 8, we'll be doing registration. Then at 8 o'clock, we will set off for a 12-mile loop around Prince Creek uh, Trail System. And uh, good squib takes about an hour and a half, roughly. Um, some of the fast guys doing it in under an hour. But it's a good short race, a lot of fun. Um, be ready to eat some bacon and donuts at the top of the climb. And uh, just a good, fun race. It's all about having fun, all about getting your mountain fare on. And uh, it's, it's competitive, but in a fun-spirited way. And everyone wears costumes, correct? Absolutely. Come on. We don't care what you dress as. Any costume's fine. It could be an Aloha shirt. It could be... We got a guy last year dressed up as a porcupine with about 100 zip ties in his back shirt. So it could be about anything. It's just about having fun and uh, having a good time and continuing the spirit of Mountain Fair into Sunday morning and just kind of carrying the energy through uh, so nobody stalls out. <laughs> so tell me uh, where the loop goes again. Okay, we're going to start from the uh, bike ballet station at the uh, at behind the forest service station on went and we're going to roll out to prince creek road from there we're going to stage and start the actual race going up prince creek road and from there it's road until we hit single track and we're going to loop through prince creek single track um, and then come back down on prince creek road into the bike path and then back into sopris park again um, we'll have we'll have volunteers and marshals out there directing everyone in good signage which we're setting up right now um, but it's a twenty dollar entry fee all the money goes to support CCAH. It's a fundraiser for CCAH, so we can keep having Mountain Fair. And uh, yeah, it's just a good, fun time. You can ride it at your own pace. It's 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 more of a ride than a race, but we just want everybody to have a great time. Well, that sounds great. And uh, another thing that Aloha Mountain Cyclery is doing during the Mountain Fair is the bike valet. How's that going? Absolutely, it went great. We've got two valet stations, one behind the Forest Service building on Went, and one at the corner of uh, Euclid and, um, what is that, 7th, I think, and uh, right behind, kind of behind the stage. And basically what we're trying to do is keep everybody's bikes nice and organized and safe. So from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m., we have uh, personnel, volunteers there, um, parking people's bikes for free and um, making sure they're safe. Nobody's going to steal your bike. If you decide to park there after 5, you might want to bring a lock because there won't be any volunteers, but the, the racks will still be open for use. Okay, so it's still a safe place to put your bike. Absolutely, absolutely. We're, we're still trying to keep an eye on it, but there won't be official volunteers, but it's, it's a rather safe-looking environment. It's more organized than just, you know, having people's bikes parked all over, kind of all over town. Right, it keeps congestion down. Exactly, yes. Great, thanks, Darren, for coming by Happy Mountain Fair. Happy Mountain Fair to you too, Jen. Thank you. The Mount Sopras runoff has attracted serious runners every Saturday morning at Mountain Fair for three decades. Here, longtime local journalist John Stroud describes the race. It's been quite a few years, you know, since uh, Independence Run and Hike took it over. Um, they've added that four-mile race, and more often than not, it seems like I opt for that one because I'm not quite ready for the longer race. And uh, But, yeah, you know, the, the Sopris runoff back when uh, Bruce Cabot was uh, organizing it was always a big part of Mountain Fair for me. It was, um, you know, I'd always have to restrain myself on Friday night because I knew I had to run the big race on Saturday morning. 
And uh, so that was always kind of difficult, especially when I was younger. But, uh, you know, once I crossed that finish line, it was party time. <laughs> um, you know, I do uh, pride myself. I did actually crack the top five in the Sopers runoff one year. And that was kind of the pinnacle for me. Um, but uh, it used to be 16 miles. Um, now it's 14. And uh, it always started at the 7-Eleven there in Basalt. And uh, it was it was a pretty brutal race, I mean, especially on a hot summer morning. Um, you know, depending on what the weather was on a given year, it uh, got pretty pretty hot and sweaty out there for sure. Yeah, you know, the heat heat's always a big one. Um, you know, especially there was one year I do recall that it uh, it had rained pretty heavily the night before, and so the road coming down Prince Creek from the top was just com- a complete mess. And you know, I, I remember the the mud was just caked on my sho- running shoes like concrete. <laughs> kind of a kind of a tough tough run down the hill there, but uh yeah, once you hit that hit that pavement on Prince Creek Road though, it uh you know, it's usually right around nine o'clock in the morning and it just starts getting really hot and muggy and yeah, that that's uh definitely you know, it's survival at that point. Those last four miles are the toughest for sure. It is perhaps no surprise that the two competitions that arose in the mid and late 1970s, the pie contest and wood splitting, are the ones that have endured to the present day. Both inspire awe and rabid devotion with their endless spectacle and intrigue. Everything about pie is delicate and refined. It's a chance to be genteel in a raw and dirty age. The wood splitting, however, is wild and wacky crazy fun with a measure of sheer brute force. It's also really easy to admire the contestants, men and women both, strutting and sweating in the hot, hot sun, often with little or no clothing in very suggestive costumes. Here are Drew Handy along with Peg and Jory DeVilbus. Is one year I decided to costume it up and join the wood splitting contest. Yeah, Mom, we know. Tallulah Chapalata Wood. Yeah, that's what they their nickname for them is Chapalada Buddha. And <laughs> and I really costumed it up with, you know, a blonde wig and big bow around my neck, you know, sunglasses. Everybody knew. But nobody was supposed to know who I was. And but Jory was emceeing the wood splitting at that time. Well what we did the night before the wood splitting, we had some of Jory and her teenage friends split a log and glue it together <laughs> so that all I had to do, well, I had my, what did I call man slaves. I had my man slaves and they carried me, you know, out to the log and another man slave had a glass of champagne and a champagne bottle and served me my glass of champagne. And then all I had to do was pick up one hand, one ax and just kind of sling it and the course the log would just split because <laughs> it'd been glued together <laughs> so we were in the process of doing this and that's when i blew it and jory that's why i claimed yeah she blew it because as i lifted the axe in the microphone she said oh god mom be careful with that axe <laughs> and it wasn't oh god it was a it was a swear word totally the, totally blew my cover I took a lot of flack for that, and I think I ended up bitching to Drew for, oh, sorry, I mean, venting to Drew <laughs> a couple years in a row, because people were really pissed at me about, that guy split 
one big piece and three splinters and you let him win. And then it, I just, I couldn't, towards the end, I never could do anything right. And it started to get, um, people would get really angry at me. They take it seriously. Yeah. You know, they take That's it true. really seriously, yeah. which is why I so appreciated like Brad Hendricks and John Matchell and mom lightening it up because yeah, it's a competition, but you guys, come on, we're at a fair. Please don't shoot out anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry that you didn't win this year, but I don't know. Did you ever have any experiences like that, Drew? Yeah, definitely. There's always people that, that are bitching about, you know, some, the, the person who won not being, having the, the right, you know, size pieces in it. And it does have to be governed at some point to, to make it fair for everybody. But then, you know, you're right. There's, there's always someone that's going to be overly competitive and, and, you know, really wants to win and really wants to bitch about the guy who did win that, that he just had splinters or something in, you know, you know, kenneling instead of a fair split, but four fairly even pieces is what we try to tell them before the, the match. And it's like, it's like, you know, as, as even as you can get four even pieces and uh, it usually works out. I mean, everybody, everybody just has a sense at mountain fair that, that things aren't very tense here. They're not very, they're not all that good. <laughs> we're just, we're just having fun here. So, so, and, and it's like, you know, what, what are you going to miss out on uh, a winning your own mall or a t-shirt or something? You're right. Most that people would... are, we're here to have fun. Yeah. Enjoy the moment. Well, yeah. My partner that I did it with was Arlo, one of my college buddies. And I yeah. was so naive. I didn't know things. And he would feed me lines. Like he would say things knowing that I wasn't going to know who it was. And yeah. we would make up names for the competitors. And one of the names that he fed me was the name of a famous porn star. And I didn't know that. <laughs> so he could lead me into things that I didn't know. He was like, oh, I think that's Ron James. And I would be like, and here we have Ron James. And everybody would go, no, that's a porn star. And I was like, I didn't know. I had no idea. <laughs> So yeah, he was a good he was a good sidekick, but that was a hoot. I had a blast doing that. I don't even know how that came to be or what, but I was so lucky to get to do it for the time that I did and just have we had so much fun. That was yeah. Rhonda and that other little cutie that was emceeing during that time. And I think he was wearing a G string and John Hickenlooper was standing there talking oh. next to this guy in a G string. And I was like, <laughs> only in Carbondale. Only yeah. in Carbondale. And Hickenlooper didn't even blink. He just handled it, loved it, and was a part of the scene. It was good. Was that, was that Dan? But yeah, Amy, those years, it just downpours. And some of the crowd leaves, but a lot of us stick around. I mean, yeah. we're not made of sugar. We're not going to melt in the rain. It's good time. <laughs> you know, I, think, I think the wood splitting is kind of a strange thing as, as to how to explain how much fun everybody keeps having every year at the wood splitting. It, it, it's kind of a hard thing to explain. There's people splitting logs and there's announcers, but what is the draw that keeps everybody just laughing? And, uh, you know, just, I don't know what it is, but it's always so well, much you mean, fun. Aside from the fact that we're this little mountain town in Colorado and we give people alcohol and an ax. Alcohol and ax. Yeah. And, and encourage them to go do this. Yeah after, you know, drinking and celebrating all day, so. The first time somebody invited me to do it, I jumped on board, and I fell in love, and I, maybe it was, like, my third year or something like that that I won, 
And then it was kind of passed back and forth for a little while between me and Sarah Gilman. And, <laughs> mm. um, and uh, yeah, Len, I think I missed a year maybe. And then um, maybe had a few years where I wasn't winning anymore. And then I got to win again last year. And, um, or not last year, the year before, it didn't happen last year. And, uh, um, yeah, so I think I'm going to just uh, retire with that belt. I wish we got a belt. <laughs> and uh, maybe I'll get involved in the organization of it. That was Olivia Pevick, frequent champion of the women's wood splitting contest at Mountain Fair. The 2011 Mountain Fair might have been the best women's competition in the 50 years and is definitely the pinnacle of KDNK's Wild World of Sports broadcast with commentators Marilyn Gleason and Conrad Wilson with Jane Backrack. I think that we need to kind of like set the stage here. Okay, so we're out in the center of the park. There's a thick ring of people circling the great space. Out in the center, there's two big biscuits of wood. Are those for chopping the wood on top of? I think those are for chopping the wood out there, aren't they? Big biscuits? Uh, those big biscuits. I think they're... And there's some large mallets strewn about on the ground, kind of like medieval weaponry strewn about a battlefield. And then down on the left side... And the right side, there's a number of um, logs. Those are the ones that I think contestants are going to be picking up, running out to the biscuits, chopping into four pieces, gathering up, and bringing back to the wood pile. And sitting on those beautiful logs are beautiful women. Yeah, I see some cleavage out here. Oh, major cleavage. I mean, it looks like sirens on the beach. I know exactly how Odysseus felt. I mean, just beautiful women out here. So. Yeah, and the, and the women really do it up for this uh, contest. They dress up. They dress for it. She's got absolutely no technique. I hope she doesn't hurt herself. I mean, she's out there. She's, she's swinging from the hip up and over. You want to go up and over with the axe. She's, she's putting the hurt on it, but, you know, right now, this is all about endurance. When something like this goes this long, it's about how long can you swing an axe. We've got, oh! She's hands splits. for Carbondale. Hands splits her log. Oh, my God. It's in half. And she'll be close to getting those quarters. This is a pretty easy log. She's not a big girl. She doesn't have very good, They, quite honestly, neither of these competitors have technique. Five, four, three, two, one, and they're off the blocks. Rachel Richards, picking County Commissioner, using the biscuit. Her competitor on the ground, punishing blows to that log from Rachel Richards. Boy, these women are really pro. They're, they're, oh, Rachel's got a nice piece off. And, you know, look at the look on her face. Look Determination. It's intensity. Yeah. Wow. The, the blow by blow. And it's going to be close, folks. She's lifting the law. Oh, she's got her four pieces. Pickett County Commissioner Rachel Richard. She missed. Well, she does, she's got she one more. feel good about it. Definitely four pieces. I count. But she wants to go for the glory. The other lady's picking up her log. She's picking it up. Jamaica's got her logs. These, wow, these women are strong. Rachel Richards defeated in this particular round, but she's still in there. She's, oh, four pieces. You would call Rachel the actual winner here, except she. Well, I mean, the technique was flawless. 
axe raised high overhead with absolutely punishing blows. She was embedding the maul in the log and then lifting maul and log off of the biscuit and smashing it back down again. That happened at least twice. It, it, was, it was crushing. And, and, and I got to say, I, um, boy, you don't see that very often in female wood splitting. Marilyn, this only happens on KDNK, by the way. Got a two-year-old daughter. It only happens on KDNK. Her two-year-old daughter is neither. We have a mother in the gray T-shirt. She has a two-year-old daughter. I guess we're learning, and uh, I don't know. She's kind of built too. She, she's built. She has a good wingspan. Do you know what I mean when I say that? No, tell me. Very long arms. And I think she could have some serious blows against the slug. The women are off the blocks. Okay, one on the biscuit. That's the girl in the crocheted on the left. Fashionista is using the biscuit. And our mother is using, in the gray t-shirt, is using the ground. No means is she wearing mom jeans, though. She is, she's really got some good blows. This is a woman who could defend her young. She sunk it in half. She's got it in half on the right. Oh my! She's God. got it in another half. I th oh! She's got, it she's got it in quarters, and she's running him back two at a time. You know, I gotta say, if I'm going to the back country, I'm taking the mother and the great teacher with me. And she was fast. Yeah, fashionista is still struggling to, to to bust off any any sort of. Any sort of four pieces here at all. I mean, I was gonna say she might have a bad log, but it looks like a good log. There's big cracks in there. Some nice cracks, and the crowd's getting into it. She's at this point, you know you've lost, but at the same time, you can still be, you can still finish strong. Right, and finish. You know, she's not a quitter. Not afraid. Not afraid to be here. She may not be the winner, but she's not a quitter. And she ain't a loser in my book. Hey, what's this dude doing out here? So there's like a naked guy with a little inflatable skirt on and something sticking out of it. I, I, I think it's a snorkel, but I don't know. It looks kind of like a breathe right in the wrong spot. It's a perky snorkel. <laughs> <laughs> so what's he doing? He's got flippers on too. I guess he's looking for the dive contest. What's this? Who's this guy in the inner tube? I don't know, but doesn't he have a uh, perky snorkel? Oh my God. Oh, quite a perky snorkel. And it's a perky purple snorkel. And we have, you know, speaking of per perky snorkels, we've got women complaining about how heavy their wood is. And I, I don't know. That's, that's a complaint you rarely hear. Uh, if I'm a woman sitting on the sideline right now, I'm wondering, how hard is my log going to be? <laughs> We're always wondering that. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> Wonder no more. We've seen it a lot in the women's competition when somebody's really sweating it out and the log just is resisting. One of the other competitors will come out or somebody will come out from the audience and help out. That's right. We do. That's accurate. Yep. That is accourate. Yep. Would never happen in a men's wood splitting cup. Ever. Ever. Men do not cooperate. You know, we had some real camaraderie out here. I was, I was doing a little reporting around the ringside here and I got to say, these women are friends. They're they're tight. We have Sarah Gilman and Olivia Pevic, and and they are about to absolutely go blow to blow on these logs. Olivia's taking her clothes off. Olivia Pevic is removing her clothing. She's taking her what? Clothes off. Oh my God. 
to her bathing suit. Olivia is only in her bathing suit. And cowboy boots. And cowboy boots. Whoa. Yeah, she looks good. She looks hot, man. She's got kind of a green paisley flower. It's not really paisley. It's like a sort of a lime green chartreuse, little cute little belted boy short suit on the bottom. And then it's a two-piece. Very stylish, Olivia. Very stylish. On the left, we've got Sarah Gilman in her black overalls and her uh, her tank top underneath. And there they go. There they go. Yes, the women are off the blocks. They are taking some of the, wow. I mean, I, I, I would say that men take note. These women know how to chop wood. In a bathing suit. They are putting on a clinic on this particular. I, I noticed none of them are using the biscuit. They're off the ground. And I would say these are some of the strongest, most talented wood splitting women I've seen. Sarah Gilman has a real stance. She's got a real wide legged spread eagle stance. And you know what? She's lost that tank top. She's wearing a little tiny bikini top under those overalls. Who says you can't be talented and look good doing what you're good at? The, the women's wood splitting contest totally negates that idea. Olivia Pevick, oh my god, it's a tie. Oh no! Oh, the lady in black won by a hair, by a wood split, by a splinter. By a splinter. That's Sarah Gilman from High Country News. Oh, it is? Oh, I know. I've talked to her and I know who she is, but I, I never met her. Over the hill from Payonia. Man, that was a tight competition. That was a competition. That was a real competition. Sarah Gilman did, did edge it out over Olivia Pevick, but I got to say, great competitors, great teammates. They're hugging it out. They're, you know, clearly friends here. You are listening to. They're kneeling on the opposite sides of the biscuit. They might arm. I think they're going to arm wrestle. Oh my, oh my gosh. I guess there's no there's no water, so it's not mud wrestling. But yes, they're going to have a nice a nice amicable arm wrestling match. Or else they're just waiting for the champagne. I don't know. I don't know, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah, they're arm, arm They're having an arm wrestling match. Sarah Gilman and Olivia Pevick. And look at that guy with the snorkel is closing in on him. Uh, yeah, he's got a, a long snorkel too. They kissed. They kissed. Oh my gosh! I was gonna say that, but I felt like a pervert. But they were they kissed. They kissed and, and made up, I guess. And that was that the end. Was first, that was a first for women's wood wood splitting. The competitors, the two women, met in the middle over a log and kissed on the lip. This podcast was created with the same love and care that the Carbondale Mountain Fair has been created with for 50 years. Special thanks go to Luke Nessler, Amy Kimberly, Terry Glassnap, Steve Cole, Carbondale Arts, Katie and Kay, and the Carbondale Historical Society.